This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowship. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. We want to welcome our online listeners. Today's message is entitled, The Father's Day. This is a special podcast that is going to be given to our readers as a special gift on Father's Day. Again, we want to welcome you. Now listen carefully. The Father makes it clear that He is the beginning and the end. He is God the Father. If we were able to find all the spoken and inspired words describing God in his written word, you know, we'd still come up short. There's absolutely no way that we can truly define the Father. I'm under the belief that it's going to take eternity for us to discover all of the attributes of God. This is truly an exciting day. Even though I give great honor to all the fathers in our land, on this day, I call it the Father's Day. There was a movement, they tried to block it out in the 1800s, but in the 1700s it was very, very popular, and artists would actually go into the museum, some of the most famous museums, in the world and they would set up their all their paint stuff and they would do replicas of these originals and the museums allowed this kind of thing because you know they thought it would definitely promote their museum but what happened is that these very good artists would actually take away these replicas and sell them as originals. And there are thousands of these replicas out there today that most people cannot tell you whether they are an original or they are uh, replicas. Because many of them were actually painted right after the exact same time that many of these paintings were painted by the artist. Now when you think of that scene where you got your easel set up, you have all your paints out there, you have every color under the sun, you have this original on the wall of the Mona Lisa, let's say, and this artist is very, very meticulously, carefully looking at every single stroke and trying to replicate that and put it on their own painting. That is actually the Hebrew word picture for earthly father. You are so carefully studying the original father that you are wanting to replicate, represent the actual original painting. The the creator, the painter. So I want to show you a couple of very interesting points here. The Father makes it clear that He is the beginning and He is the end. And that's where we get Alpha and Omega. Alpha is the beginning, 
But there's really no beginning to Alpha, interesting as it is, because beginning always was. And then you have Omega, which is the end, and there's really no end. So what happened in the alphabet, when it was put together, we had to have a beginning letter, Alpha, is the first letter of the alphabet. And then you had the last letter of the alphabet, which in our language, it's Z. So you have Alpha and you have Omega. So what we, what we did as humans is we designed a perspective of Alpha and Omega based on the Earth. Bad idea. Whenever you hear the term Alpha and Omega, you better see arrows on the end of those words going both ways. The Alpha always was the beginning. The Omega always will be the end. Even though there is no beginning and there is no end to God. But for man's perspective, since it's very limited, we need to understand that God himself is the Alpha and he's the Omega. So if we were able to find every spoken and inspired word we possibly could in the Bible to actually try to describe God, we would still fall short. There wouldn't be enough words. So this is why it actually takes us dying, first, of course, being born again. You get born, and like Gracie, a few weeks ago, was born again. And then you die, and then you get to spend the rest of eternity actually getting to know the full attributes of God. Now attributes are, and I should have brought uh, a picture, my favorite picture that I have done thus far is uh, a picture of uh, a bunch of roses. Because it requires so many details out of my mind and getting the perspective right, the colors right, the edges right, the curls right. It required so much of me that God used that as an illustration for me to remember how, how this works. That when I die, I will be studying the original Father in order to gain more and more of a healthy, honest, real perspective of God the Father. Little boys who do not take the time or are not given the privilege to have the time to get to know their fathers will not turn out to be healthy fathers. Unless another father, spiritual father, comes and adopts them and trains them how to be a father. And that's one of the errors that the church has made is that we are growing the children up instead of the father's and mothers growing their own children up. Okay. Now think about how boring it would be if we were told everything about our friend, our new friend, right at the beginning, or maybe you're getting married or you just got married, and everything was told to you about this husband or this wife or this friend. Wouldn't it be kind of boring 
I mean, wouldn't you get bored real quick? You see, what keeps boredom out of humans is the desire to know. So the desire to know God more is that desire that is in us every day to get up and open the Bible and read more of the Word or to sit there, the, the desire to get to know our, our wife or our husband more is to sit down with a, with a cup of coffee, you know, a good cup of coffee, of course, but a cup of coffee and talk and ask questions. Or with your friend. As you're going through life, you're discovering that they like this and they dislike this and they love this and they don't like this and, and you are forming intimacy in the relationship through not knowing. This is critical and I hope you're connecting to this piece. God forms intimacy, closeness, feeling close to each other through not knowing. It's not in the knowing. It's in the not knowing. So the reason why God doesn't answer all your questions right away, the reason why He doesn't give them all to you as soon as you become born again, is because He wants to be intimate with us. And to be intimate is actually, from the Latin, it means to learn to become a mate. And mate does not mean friend. Mate means one. It's a blending of one from two colors. So as I discover how to get that color that that artist put in that painting, I have to think about what colors that artist put in there to try or to present those colors that I can't figure out. It takes time to get to know and study that art to discover that color just on the corner of his shoulder, for example, or that one petal on the rose. That's what God wants us to do, is to get up every single morning and study, to show thyself, approve, to handle accurately his relationship with you. Intimacy is birth through not knowing someone. With the desire to know them, so it's a double-sided coin. Most people don't care about the double-sided coin. So they just say, I don't really care to know about you. And they live independent lives and they never really get close to people. That's what sinful flesh does. It says, I don't want to get to know you. So you put up an eight-foot fence in your yard and you block people out because... Sinful flesh says, I don't want to get to know you. So true intimacy requires, I don't know, and I want to know. It's not just, I want to know. It's an acknowledgement of, I don't know you. And there's not one person in this room that can say, I know God. Nobody. Most people before they die, even scholars who have been studying the word their entire lives say, I wish I knew God better. And the reason why that is, is because they don't know him. It's going to take all the elements of heaven to truly get to know God. So, 
If you have a piece of paper, I want you to write down a quick description of your earthly father. It can be one word, it can be two, three words. But at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to share those words describing your father. Okay? So be thinking about that as we're going through the message. So let's take a look at this. The original family did not start with Adam and Eve. I know most of us have been trained that it all started with Adam and Eve. But in reality, the first family was established in heaven through God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Father's angels. The angels were organized into three primary arenas. You had Lucifer, who was in charge of worship. You had Michael, who is in charge of warfare. And you have Gabriel, who is in charge of delivering the messages of God. I can assure you, because those three archangels and the responsibilities that have been given to them that communicates to us, those are the three primary objectives of God. Worship, warfare, and message of truth. Betrothment. And we will uh, take a look at these as we go through this in more details. But our first diagram shows you a circle of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Then you have the archangel Lucifer, who is in charge of a third of all the angels. Then we have Michael, the archangel. He was in charge of a third of all the angels, according to Revelations 12:7. The one that talks about Lucifer having a third is 25, uh, Matthew 25:41. And then Gabriel, who is in charge of the last third, talks to, talks to us about that in Luke 1:19. This is the original family in heaven. If we lose perspective of that, we are not going to be able to look at that original painting with the clarity of the mind of Christ. We'll always see what fatherhood is from our own perspective. Instead of replicating this to the world. We are fathers so that we can show people in this community what God the Father looks like, how he acts, how he talks. That's what the whole goal and intention of us being fathers is all about. So many modern views of the family completely take away, destroy. The term rape is actually used in the Hebrew completely destroy the world in the true reason and purpose of godly family. Because of man's sin, he and she has made serious modifications to the original design. The design of heaven is not restrictive, but freeing and perfect. God has never modified his view of the family on earth, and he never will. 
And if he did so, we'd be giving in to the plan and the plot of Satan has to take over the order of heaven, which is what he tried to do originally. So God is never going to give in to adjusting the family structure of heaven. Because if he did, Satan would jump on that and try to re-seize the father figure in heaven once again. The original family is not about to be broken up by an angel who thinks himself to be a father. And that's what Lucifer, which is no longer his name, that name was taken away from him. God's role is not up for grabs, it's not up for sale, it's not up for uh, replication by anyone except for those who have been picked to be representatives of the Father. And those are Christians. He will not offer his seat to anyone, not angel or man. So God the Father considers it a major violation for any being to attempt to be like him or take on the role of the Heavenly Father. Preserving the original family is a top priority for God. His perfect model is a clear demonstration of perfection regarding spiritual, relational, and physical relationships. So here's how it happened. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Lucifer decides He's going to go up here and he is going to try to take the role of the father. Anytime you have a prodigal son, the son is acting like Satan. He's trying to take the role of the father. And the father says, not on my shift. Pack your bags and head on out because you're not taking my job. And that's the story that Jesus used in, in the, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus is literally communicating what Lucifer tried to do in heaven. And God said, no. And the Bible goes on to tell us that he removed Satan, at the time his name being Lucifer, he removed him like a bolt of lightning. It was that fast. God was not going to tolerate any of his family members to try to seize or take the role of God the Father. So when you do not honor your Father, you do not honor the Heavenly Father. That's the facts. What you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. That's Jesus saying that. Satan knows that God's order of conduct, conducting business is the only way. He doesn't like that, of course. He understands that God is the Supreme Father and Christ is the Son. And the Son only says and does what the Father tells him to do. John 8, 28. The Word of God is God and Christ spoke only his Father's words. And this is a diagram we shared a couple weeks ago. But God is the Word. Jesus became the Word. And the Holy Spirit brings remembrance of the words of Jesus. And for example, which angel is it that actually carried the messages of God forward? Gabriel. 
So Gabriel would take the message of God in the Old Testament and bring it to the people. And of course, once we became Christians in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit would actually speak it into our hearts directly. So God took the design of heaven and mirrored it here on earth by setting up the order of heaven through Adam and Eve. Now if you think this through, the next time you study Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, you're literally going to be studying what heaven looks like. And then when you read Revelation and all those details about Revelation, you're going to quickly discover that it is like talking about the Garden of Eden. It's a very powerful principle. So here's our, other, our last diagram on this. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You have the children now, which are Adam and Eve, revealing God's order. So Adam and Eve became the first children here on earth to reveal the order of heaven. You have over here God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit representing the Trinity. They're all one. You have Adam now representing husband as Christ's role being exemplified. Of course that verse is, as Christ is head of the church, so is the husband head of his household. This role of Adam is literally exemplifying the role of the son. When you become an earthly father, you have children, you are exemplifying the role of Heavenly Father. When you, as a husband, you are exemplifying the role of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit circle, now Eve becomes the actual representative of the Holy Spirit. The Hebrew words to describe woman happen to be the same adjectives that are used to describe Holy Spirit in the Greek. And I don't believe that's accident. So Eve becomes a representative of what the Holy Spirit's like. Adam becomes a representative of what Christ is like to the church. And as he functions over his children, he is representing God the Father. So men are to mirror two images of heaven, the Father and Christ. Women are to mirror a single image, and that is the image of the Holy Spirit. And the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring to remembrance the words that your daddy said, is to be the eight adjectives that describe the Holy Spirit, comforter, caretaker, breasted one, all those adjectives uh, are clear and clean adjectives describing woman. A thief always goes for the father first. Since Satan has no ability to know the mind of the father, he does what was predicted. He attempts to steal the role of the father in Adam in Eve's life. 
He knew the only way he could uh, function in this role was to break the connection between God and his children. So he tried going through God, remember? That didn't work. So now he's going to go through Adam. Well, he realized he can't get to Adam directly. So he went through Eve. And then through Eve, that apple or, or kiwi or whatever it was, was offered to Adam. So the two of them fall. God puts the full responsibility on Adam. And now we have sin in the world. So here's what this looks like. Diagram number five. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This now, the representative of God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit here. Adam representing the role of Christ. Eve representing the role of the Holy Spirit. And what Satan tried to do is move God out away from them being dependent on God the Father. And he wanted Adam and Eve now dependent on him. And he actually got the job done. He was able to, to uh, work through here, to get to here, to break this, so that Adam and Eve were no longer dependent on God. Sin entered the world. And Satan became what Jesus called him, the father of lies. So he did become a father, but it was a father of lies. So now every child that's born physically is born dependent on Satan, the father of lies. It worked. So there had to be a restoration, a redeeming factor put into the mix so that the Adams in the world and the Eves in the world and their children could be redeemed and brought back to the original design of God's family. So the Hebrew definition of redeemer is next to kin. So our, the truth being our next to kin is Jesus Christ. But see, Satan lied and deceived to make Adam and Eve think he was not their next of kin. He was their next of kin. So here we have the picture of, in diagram six, we have the picture of redemption. God the Father, through Jesus Christ dying on the cross, put Christ as the Godhead in our lives so that when we become born again, we can be restored and united back to the original design of God's family. Satan is removed. He's X'd out. He is going to deceive us to, to, help, to uh, try to get us to think that he still has control in our lives, and he doesn't. Because he is simply a liar. There's no truth found in him. This is the original family. This is the family here on earth now that replicates, paints that picture for the world to see the original family in heaven that is still.
to this day untouched by any human or any angel. If anyone messes with the image of God's perfect family, they will be removed from the book of life. It is that simple. No one is to mess with this design. I doubt Satan learned his lesson because stupid people, and that is a biblical word in Isaiah, which references actually stupid shepherds, are shepherds who don't think through truth and take action on it. A lot of people who do things that they know is not true, that's what comes under the classification of a quote-unquote stupid shepherd. They know the truth, but they will not take action on it. That is Satan. He, he knows of the truth, but he can't take action on it. He's paralyzed. We can take action on truth because of Jesus Christ living within us. So therefore, redemption means deliverance from some evil by payment of a price. To be redeemed, you have to be bought out of slavery. So God got his wallet out and he opened it up and through the blood of his own son he purchased us back from the father of lies and put us into the family of God. Thus prisoners of war might be released on payment of a price which was called ransom. The word from the Greek was formed specifically to convey uh, this idea of release on payment of ransom. In this circle of ideas, Christ's death may be regarded as the ransom for many. So I hope now that you can see the importance of why Satan works so diligently at stealing the role of the Father and attacking our earthly fathers so that the children will be embittered to God the Father. Satan wants as many takers to go with him on this place of torment as he can because his ultimate fear is the fear of isolation and loneliness from the Father. So all this stuff that you see going around in this community and every community in the world is Satan trying to destroy the fathers. He's trying to mess up the replication the representation of the original family. So Father's Day should really be the Father's Day. We should be glorifying God. We should be wanting to learn everything we possibly can of our Heavenly Father so that we can demonstrate to the world what the Heavenly Father looks like sounds like, walks like, talks like, functions like, behaves like. And it's absolutely critical. So here's our prayer for the day. And I want to read it to you first. Dear Father who is in heaven and in the center of my heart, I ask this day that you take my mind, will, and emotions and yield them to the Holy Spirit for discipline. I ask that you cause me to focus on you today, 
and not on my circumstances. I tend to be selfish and centered upon my problems. I reject this selfish way of thinking and yield to you as my father. I pray that you would use this lesson today to renew my mind, to move me, to take action on all that you ins your inspired word reveals to me. I pray that you will post angels at my door of my heart, keeping me centered on the way, truth, and life of your Son. As you reveal your attributes and characteristics, I ask that I will not view them as just words, but that I become transformed as a result of hearing them. I thank you this day for hearing your humble servant, and I choose to pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I want to thank you for the truth that sets us free. And I want to thank you for every father that walks the face of the earth who loves you and really, really cares about representing you properly in their community, in their homes, and in their hearts. I pray, Father God, that as this message goes out and many messages from many preachers and teachers from around the world today would touch the hearts of fatherless children, will touch the hearts of children who, who have honorable fathers, that we are restored back to the original view of Father. So, Father, I pray that as people read this this prayer and pray it unto you or Father that you give them uh, your own words in their own heart in their own way I just pray Father God there is complete transformation in the hearts of our fathers throughout the land and God you know I only pray this in Jesus name Thank you for joining us today Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events, and we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowship.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a bind, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.